Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to New York City. New York City. That's where we're going. Our film this week is My Man Godfrey. Yes. A 1936 black and white film from Universal. Mm-hmm. Starring William Powell and Carol Lombard. Yes. This is the first time I remember seeing Carol Lombard and realizing it's Carol Lombard. I just, I didn't even, I was like, wait, is that Carol Lombard? It's, I, felt, I, I feel like a I lot. knew a I'm lot. Like, which one is it? Yeah. <laughs> And she was supposed to be portraying a girl in her late teens. I thought so, because I was watching this movie and I was, how old is this woman supposed to be? Yeah, which makes a lot more sense with her um, outbursts. And didn't she remind you of the girl from Lady Bird? I was oh. like, you know what, Lady Bird? They already made this movie with your character. It's called My Man Godfrey. Oh, the hormonal issues and, and the crying. And actually, Carol Lombard was like 27 when she made it. And she was supposed to be portraying somebody about 17. So I, I wasn't quite sure what the deal was. But then her family's totally crazy anyway. Oh, her family was nuts. Yeah. Okay, so it's directed by Gregory LaCava and written by Maury Wrightskind um, and based on the short novel by Eric Hatch called 1101 Park Avenue. Because... Is that where they live or is that where... Okay, never mind. No, you, Not they live say in, it yet. Yeah. All right. So... So it starts at the dump. Yeah, the city We're at the dump. dump. Actually, the, you know, the titles for this, it's 1939. They were kind of uh, jazzy titles for 1939. I was like, oh, look at you, 1939. That seemed very, the titles, and, and they're very, um, ah, I don't know, what do they remind, like Broadway, I guess, old-timey Broadway with lights and stuff, and it's like move, there's movement going on. And then it gets to a picture of the city dump. And I was like, are they going to dissolve into live action in 1939? And, and they, they did. did. Man. So, Men are going through the garbage and you realize it's a hobo camp. Yes. It's, yeah, hobo camp. Mm-hmm. When I was a little girl, um, I lived close to a railroad. And I was never allowed to go close to the railroad because there were hobos living down there. Oh. Now, in this movie, they don't call them hobos. They call them... Forgotten men. Forgotten men. And we have a lot of forgotten people right now as well. So it's still timely. It is. It's still very timely. Okay, so we have Mike and Duke. <laughs> a really nice car <laughs> pulls up. And a woman dressed well gets out and says, this is the place. I'll talk to one now. And another woman says, 
she's not going to get ahead of me and hurries down the hill of trash. Yes. So the first one says to one of the hobos, how would you like to make $5? All you have to do is go to this hotel with me. I'll show you to a few people and I'll send you right back here. We are $5 in 1939. Uh, okay. I'd be right. in. I'm living in a dump. And so it, it turns out that it's a scavenger hunt. Yeah. So there's these rich people. They're out for the evening and they're doing these the scavenger hunts. What the kids do on the, the cell phones and stuff. So they have to the first one to come back with a forgotten man is probably going to win the whole thing. Win the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Win a game. Right. With a person. This is what the rich do. This is how they this is how they roll. You think they still don't do this? And she approached Duke, and Duke says, "Do you want me in my tail, or will this do?" Yeah. So you know that Duke is one of us—a sarcastic mf'er, sarcastic motherfucker. And she goes, you don't need to be fresh. Do you want the $5 or not? And Duke's like, hey, 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 look. You're the one coming down here wanting me to do a solid for you. Because you know what? Duke is a little, Duke's a little perturbed. He's like, how dare you, you rich piece of crap woman, coming down here to the dump like, like I'm some zoo animal at your beck and call and you can go back and take me. Like, how disrespectful. I'm a human being, damn it. And he actually says, I can't tell you how flattered I am by your very generous offer. I'll have to take it up with my board of directors. Mm-hmm. Because Duke speaks very well. He speaks very well. And he ends up pushing the woman of, of money into a, an ash heap. Yes. And, he, he, and, and then he dusts off his hands and he goes back to his shanty. And the other woman kind of hangs around. Yeah, and runs straight, straight smack into one Irene. I'm Irene. I'm her sister. And he goes, are you part of this hunting party? She goes, I was, but I'm not now. Because she kind of realizes how humiliating and um, awful it is. And she says, I've always wanted to push her in a pile of ashes. Yeah. So Irene is, she's like, thank you. Thank you, sir. Because you have, you have pushed her in a pile of ashes. And that's like, I'm rich and I can get any gift I want. But seeing you push my sister in a pile of ashes. I mean, my sister gets everything that she wants. And to see her get thrown down in a pile of ashes. Ah, that is, well, that's just the bee's knees. It, it's the best. And so he, he, what is a scavenger hunt? And she said, I, I don't want to play any more games with humans as objects. It's it's kind of sorted when you think it over. Yeah. So now he's kind of interested because here's someone who sort of understands his plight. And she goes, well, why do you live here when there are so many nice places? Yeah, so she's a, bl- a bit oblivious in that yeah. high ivory tower she's living in. 
So Duke said, well, my real estate agent felt the altitude here would be good for my asthma. I got jokes. I got jokes. I got jokes coming out my wazoo. And um, so she, Irene, who is Carol Lombard, who is supposed to be like 17, 18. I suppose I should go see who won the game. Probably Cornelia. I'm sure she's found another forgotten man by now. Yeah. So Duke says, you mean if you took me and we beat Cornelia there, then you would win? Well, I suppose. um, He said, I've always been curious to see a scavenger hunt. And she, she, I mean, then she's just, she's ecstatic because she was like, you mean that you would really come back? Like you would come back and do me that solid? Because I'm sure if we left right now, we would win the scavenger hunt. And that would be the first time that I've ever beaten Cornelia at anything. And he's in. And Cornelia needs to go down. Yeah. So he's like, all right, let's do it, m'lady. So they get to the scavenger hunt. It's inside this. The what the Ritz Waldorf or something? Yeah, they kind of took the Waldorf Astoria and the Carlton Ritz and combined them. Yeah, so this is where all everyone's in. All the men are in tails and stuff, and it's pandemonium. There's um, I mean, there's screaming monkeys about. Everybody's bringing things up to the front, like real monkeys. Yeah, this is a, a true scavenger hunt where where yeah anything goes. Yeah, this woman brings back um, what was it like a baby goat? A goat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was like, I was in Brooklyn and I got a goat. And she's like, I, but I, ha-, and everybody's yelling and they're like, but I got a baby goat. I got a baby goat. And so they walk up to the front and they have, they have the man and they're like, I have a forgotten man. And cause they were like, well, what's left? I think Cornelio brought something in. And they said like one forgotten man and a Japanese goldfish. And yeah. So whatever a Japanese. Yeah. Goldfish I don't know. Is. It's just pandemonium. It's screwball comedy. That, you know, that she's like, ah, it finally gets the attention. It's like, we have a forgotten man, and they win. And there's a man with a very, uh, uh, some damaged vocal cords. He was in, are we talking about the father? Yeah. He was in the movie last week. Yeah, who was he in the movie last week? I thought that you would remember. What movie did we do last week? Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Oh, uh, so he would have been one of um, one of the the main dudes' um, cronies. Yeah, he might have been like the henchman or something. Yeah, so he has a horrible voice. He does like he, this. Uh, yeah, he uh, yeah, like it hurts to hear him speak. And he's Mister Bullock. Yeah. And so you know that he and he has not doesn't want anything to do with the scavenger hunt. He says, "You'll find me home in bed." And it turns out the woman with the goat is his wife, and he doesn't want anything to do with her either. Oh, yeah. She's all the way live. And Irene and Cornelia are his daughters. hmm So Godfrey and Irene come in, and everybody's going, Miss Bullock has a forgotten man. And they say, "Miss, uh, okay, dude, what, what is your address? And, and like- he says, City Dump. 32. Yeah. And then they go, are those whiskers your own? Because somebody tried to tried to pass themselves off as a forgotten man and the whiskers weren't real. Can I, can I touch your whiskers? I get and then they go, are you wanted by the police? 
I mean, it's just humiliating. Yeah. And he goes, nobody wants me. Oh, that seals the deal right there. <sighs> yeah. So Irene Bullock gets 25 points for the Forgotten Man and 50 points for being the first one with a Forgotten Man. And so everyone's yelling, speech, speech, speech of the Forgotten Man. Yeah. So Godfrey is like, are you kidding me? So he gets up. And well, we don't know at the time that this is Godfrey. Well, I'm just going to put myself out on a limb here because it said that the, the man was played by William Powell and I'll be doggone. That's William Powell. Okay. So okay. I'm pretty sure that that's my man, Godfrey. So Duke and Godfrey are one in the same person. Right. This, You know what, though? As we'll see later, Godfrey has a whole lot of names. He does indeed. And that's that's setting people up to, oh, why is that a spoiler? But no, because it's really not. Because that's what I thought. And I was like, oh, okay, Godfrey. So Duke said his purpose in coming to the hotel lobby and participating in this rubbish was twofold. One was to aid the young lady, Irene. And one was to say, I am curious to see how a bunch of empty-headed nitwits conduct themselves perfectly ha- uh, conduct themselves. Oh, well, people took offense at that. Except the one guy in the audio who you don't see him say this, but you just hear him say, I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, I'm perfectly happy to go back to a society of really important people back at the dump. Yeah. So he's just, he's just like, now, if you will... And he's just walking out of there. He told them off. Mm-hmm. And he's a forgotten man. Mm. But he laid it low. Trumpsters. Uh, so Irene chases after him. And she uh, she's uh, apologetic. Apoplectic with apology. Mm-hmm. I'd never brought you here if I knew they were going to humiliate you. I want to do something for you. What can I do for you? And then I think he's like, you have a job? Yeah, I could use a job. She goes, well, we need a butler. Oh, he. she goes, have you ever buttled? And I was I like, know. what is that? <laughs> Which I found amusing. Buttled? As in being a butler. Oh, butler. I get it. Yeah. So he, she says, show up the next day at. Uh, one, uh, one, oh, one, one fifth park Avenue. Okay. So at this point, do it's obvious that Irene has the hots for Duke slash my man, Godfrey. Can you hear me pouring my yes, wine? Yes, I can. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> listeners, I'm drinking some wine and yes, it, I had to use a corkscrew to open it. So that explains so much too. So that means, like, when you looked at him, I know, all right, Irene is smitten. Did you think that Godfrey liked Irene? No. Well, I felt like he, um, it impressed upon him that she realized that it was humiliating um, to him because I don't think any of the other people, except for the one person out of the camera shot, realized that. This was humiliating to the forgotten man. Yeah. So I, I feel like he thought, wow, at least she gets that. 
Yeah, I felt that he thought, oh, this is this is an interesting this is an interesting bird here. But I didn't yeah. ever get the feeling that he was like, oh, I want to continue seeing her. Never throughout the entire <laughs> film did I feel that way. I'm that yeah, that's kind of what I'm getting at. That's why it's so funny to me because at this point I'm like, all right, I know she likes him. I'm not really sure that he likes her. But she's and if she were like 17 years old, he's not gonna he's not gonna do that. Yeah, but I don't know if he, I don't know. Like I know. Okay, so the next morning he shows up. Oh, she gives him money to get himself uh, decent clothing to be able to show up. And I thought, wow, he found a shower somewhere. Yeah. He, he's all, he shows up. On. He's all clean shaven. He's very presentable. He knocks on the door his first day and the maid opens the door. And <laughs> see, at first I thought maybe the maid was Carol Lombard because the maid was hilarious. Yeah, the maid was really good. She is just like she's not mean, but she's in the position where. They go through butlers. They probably go through five butlers a week, they average, yeah, this family. Yeah, pretty much daily. So every day. So she doesn't really get too attached to the butlers, but she's also not like she's also not mad-dogging them or putting them down or anything. She's just very upfront about it. Like, I would keep your hat, keep your coat by the door so that you can just grab them on your way out. This family is, this family put the nuts in peanut butter like they are crazy i don't know i don't think that you know what you're getting into she's like exaggerating Mm -hmm. but she's not so bing 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 they're they're, somebody's being summoned and he's like what is that and she's like it's it's the the mom and he's like oh should we go and she's like hold on if she bings one more time, she's drunk and she needs her tomato juice. And sure enough, she beeps again. And so she's like, all right, tomato juice time. So they go over, pour the tomato juice. And then he's like, oh, hold on. And he gets Worcestershire sauce and pours that in it. And she's like, what the hell are you trying to do? Like, you trying to poison them on your first day? And he's like, look, I know hangovers. This is this is the perfect little. It's gonna do the trick because it's. I think it's got some sort of uh, soothing anti-inflammatory uh, properties in it. So because Mrs. Bullock sees pixies. Yeah, like she gets so drunk that in her hangover, which actually she wasn't hungover, she's just still drunk, and she sees pixies in her bedroom. She does. And she is buzzing that buzzer constantly. Yeah. It's like if anybody watched Downton Abbey, how the little bells ring and it tells you who um, upstairs needs your assistance. So he goes up there and I was impressed by my man Godfrey because I remember watching on 2020 how butlers to the royal family have to go through this super rigorous whole butlering school and only the best of the best make it and he's walking up there with the tray his back is straight he's he looks like a butler i mean yeah. how did how did godfrey be able to pick up butlering so fast yeah 
So they go in the room and there's a crystal lamp with crystals hanging down and there's some wind blowing on them so that they are constantly like a wind chime. Mm-hmm. And so um, Mrs. Bullock tells him, stop jumping up and down. And she says, do you hear that? It's the same tune over and over again. And it's actually the crystals hitting the lamp. So he tells her he has a pixie remover. All she has to do is drink the tomato juice. So he goes over, closes the drapes, and stills the crystals. Boom, pixies are done. Pixies are gone. I'm Godfrey, the forgotten man. I'm your new butler. Mm-hmm. And so she is giggling, giggling, giggling. Yeah. And also the previous night when Irene said that she had hired Godfrey, the mom was so against it. She was like, you can't. Are you kidding me? You're going to hire the forgotten man. Like, oh, my gosh, this guy's going to steal everything. Right. Um. But now she's like, oh, Godfrey. She doesn't even remember him, honestly. And Cornelia was also against it. You can't just bring somebody in off the streets. Well, yeah, because Cornelia, because he pushed Cornelia into ashes. Yeah, he did. So Godfrey wins round one. So he's feeling pretty good about himself. And then another buzzer goes off. This is round two. And the maid says, well, you did all right with round one, but... You know, she was nothing compared to round two, and that's Cornelia. Cornelia is a bitch. Cornelia is a bitch. And I just, I just, in my notes, I just have that he lost. It didn't go well. And he comes out and says, well, I, I won one, but I lost that one. Right. So now, we're, go ahead. You hear someone screaming that they want their breakfast, and it's Irene. Yes. So now we're round three. Round three. And she goes, oh, you look so different. You're the cutest thing I've ever seen. Sit down and talk to me. And he's going, I shouldn't sit on your bed. That I'm a butler. That doesn't work. And But she just she's talking constantly. And she wants him to be her protege. Yeah, because her mom has a protege named <laughs> Carlo. Yeah, yeah. Carlos live in the gravy train line. Yeah, so she wants her own protege, and she wants Godfrey to be her protege. Right. So he'll be the butler, and she will sponsor him. Yeah. And she says, "You're now my responsibility." Right. And Godfrey's like, "Okay, whatever that means." Yeah, because it's just a job right now. Mm-hmm. Then we have somebody knocking at the door, the front door. And Godfrey doesn't answer it, I guess because he's still with Irene. The father answers it, and it's another subpoena. <laughs> His uh, girls. Yeah. He, this man is so used to getting subpoenas from the night before. Turns out that Cornelia went busting up windows in Fifth Avenue. And he's just like, oh, these girls. Like, these girls be wilding out out on their nights they rage when they party yeah he's like now i got a subpoena for this he doesn't even really bat an eye then he then somebody tells him that there's a a handsome cab driver who's like irate because their horse 
Somebody, they, the other daughter, Irene, stole the handsome cab driver's horse and rode it back home. And so the horse is like in the backyard. In the library. Oh, the horse is in the library. This is how they party. She rode the horse up the front steps in the front door and parked it in the library overnight. Yeah. And I mean, keep in mind, like the last time we saw them, she had she was just feeling bad and she offered Godfrey the the um the job from offering Godfrey the job to the morning. She rode home and rode a horse home and her sister was just busting up windows at Fifth Avenue. I'm like, damn. Yeah, talk about the entitled. But Mr. Bullock sees Godfrey coming out of Irene's bedroom, and he takes off his jacket. He starts to undo his cufflinks because he's going to do fisticuffs with this man coming out of Irene's bedroom. Well, see, he's coming. I think the maid thought that it was going to go so horrible with the rest of the family that I think she put his his hat and coat and suitcase upstairs so when he comes out of irene's room he sees his hat and coat and suitcase and so he picks it up and the dad is also walking downstairs and sees this man come out of his youngest daughter's room with his hat and suitcase and stuff and he's walking down the steps behind him and he just starts taking off his shirt (laughs) undoing his cufflinks starts rolling them up they, he, Godfrey thinks they're having a nice conversation and the guys are just telling him like um, also by the way like I was a welterweight boxing champion I just thought you should know that before we're about to get into it and Godfrey's like what? <laughs> so it all works out I'm the butler you know I was just giving breakfast to your daughter so then uh, Godfrey is turning on a light maybe in the living room And Cornelia comes in and says, how do you like it here? And he goes, better than a packing case in the city dump. Um, And uh, something about pushing you, I pushed you into an ash pile. And Cornelia goes, oh, yes, there's a spot on my shoes. Take care of it, will you? Mm -hmm. So she's sitting down. She puts her shoe up and he has to take care of it. And Cornelia just says, you know, you may be the butler, but I have not forgotten that you pushed me down those ashes and I'm going to pay you back. It's on. Yeah. I'm going to make your life so mit. Before she finishes, Irene comes in. And Irene says, I heard what you said and he's my protege. Yeah. So Cornelia goes, if father hears about this, he'll find out about, um, if father hears about this, he'll find out. And and then Irene goes, he'll also find out about your sappy college boy you have hanging around. Yeah, Irene says that to Cornelia. Cornelia's got a a sappy college boy. Yes, she does. And mother has Carlo, who used to be hired help, but now he's her protege because he's so gifted with music and the arts. Mm Mm-hmm. He's basically just found, like, that meal ticket. Yes. Well, father's father's been going over last month's bills, and these people are just, are, they're bankrupting him. Mm-hmm. 
He's he's mad. He's like, you, you people spend way too much money. This family needs discipline. And Carlo is part of that. He just sucks up money, money, money. Yep. And dad, uh, dad says, we've got to settle down. Godfrey brings in hors d'oeuvres. And Cornelius says, someone should speak to Irene about picking up strays. We need our staff to come from agencies. Yeah, because certain certain people might stab the family. They're just saying all these, you know, backhanded compliments, basically, as Godfrey's going around. I mean, Godfrey is is he looks like a professional butler. He does indeed. Like let, let Godfrey alone. You you people, you won the lottery. So Irene starts crying. I mean, she's having a a full fledged teenage crying fit. Yeah, and the mom's all like, oh, do you need an ice pack for your eyes? Like, the mom's very indulgent in this. She's not like, shut up. She's just like, oh, she's having a spell. She's having a spell. Uh, Should we call the doctor? Irene's going, I don't want a doctor. And um, at this point, (laughs) the mother says, Carlo, impersonate a monkey. That always makes Irene laugh. So Carlo goes full on monkey now this is the scene for the real life actor which because up to that point this guy was getting cast in as criminals he was always the bad guy he dedicated himself so much to this scene that after it he got zany wacky comedy roles well good because it was talk about humiliating I mean, but he really did do a really good job. He, he did. He did. He nailed it. He was a gorilla. Mm-hmm. All over the furniture. Jumping, jumping around, up, up and down. Making and the around. noises. Yeah. I was like, damn, this family is crazy. Yeah. And it goes on for a long time. A really time. long time. And Godfrey so, brings in a tray of martinis. And the dad is just like... I'm take takes the whole tray from Godfrey and goes, I'm going to my room to drink, refill this tray in a half an hour. Yeah. Dad needs all of the martinis himself. Oh, so Irene goes, where's Godfrey? And Mrs. Bullock has promised that he'll stay on. So she instantly stops crying. Mm hmm. She kisses Godfrey, who just turns around and goes into the kitchen. Because yeah. what can he do with that? What am I supposed to do with this woman? Yeah, exactly. And he says to the maid, do they go on like this all the time? He's like, who is this family? And the maid actually says, no, this is a really quiet night. Oh, my go. gosh. <laughs> So uh, he goes into his room and Irene just walks into his room. At this point, I'm going, Irene, you don't know about this yet, but down the road, there's going to be a movement called Me Too. And you're not really <laughs> like what you are doing is sexual harassment. Yes. Quit harassing this man. You're she is sexually harassing Godfrey. God, poor Godfrey is totally being harassed. She's in his private quarters, sitting on his bed, coming on to him. I'm like, Irene, you, this man works for you. He is in his, your employee. You can't be acting this way. And Godfrey says, hasn't anyone told you about propriety? 
So it's really weird because on one hand, you're watching this like, man, this woman is just in oven here, like totally sexual, sexual harassing this guy. But then the guy is talking, is so condescending <laughs> when he's talking to her. My, I, my head was like, I couldn't, I couldn't compute. I, I was just like, there was the rainbow circle just going on my face. Like, I don't understand what's going on. She is like, is super empowered, yet she's completely wrong. He's the victim, and yet he's totally mansplaining everything to her. Basically calling her a whore. I have a story for you. Once upon a time, there was this kind woman, and she helped a man, and the man's very grateful. Then she became a nuisance. (laughs) If she were a smart little girl, she'd pick out some nice young chap, and never ever come in this room again. Yeah, Godfrey isn't even giving her the. I re- I do have feelings for you, but you're 17 and this is wrong. Not at all. He's, He's totally by the book. Yeah, Look, this is wrong. You need to get out of here. The, the, he, yeah, there 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 are no lingering looks. None no. of that. Nothing. Nothing. No, no. I I don't want to lose my job. Goodbye. You're a nuisance. Yeah. So she's out. That's the end of that scene. Yeah. Now we uh, start with a new scene. Carlo is singing. That's a kind compliment singing and playing the piano. And he's singing the same words over and over again. And Mrs. Bullock comments that she loves that song because it's so easy to learn the words because they're the same words over and over again. I got to say, Mrs. Bullock, she is she is probably um, she's taking pills and she's taking those dirty 1936 pills. She's she's hopped up on stuff that hasn't even been named yet. Yeah. And and she's drinking uh, pure gut alcohol on top of it. Yeah. Yeah, and she's, yeah, and like, she was probably homeschooled, so she really didn't learn anything. Well, yeah, she, all she had to be was a, a wife, she, and she didn't even have to learn, because I bet she was raised wealthy, so that she didn't even have to learn how to cook or anything. No. All she had to do was just get married and have kids. All she had to do was marry somebody rich. That's what she had to do. And she did it, even though she doesn't care about that somebody rich. Oh, say, Godfrey comes in with roses and a vase. And Mrs. B says, do you know the words to the Star Spangled Banner? Because nobody else in the room does. And I'm like, it's okay, because nobody does anyway. Our president doesn't either. So. So Irene comes in, and Irene is, uh, Irene is dejected because she was rejected by Godfrey. And at this, so, in my notes, I have Irene is depressed. Is she fourteen? Yeah. <laughs> so I guess yeah. I guess she is supposed to. Is it? I thought that she was supposed to be twenty-five. I thought she was supposed to be early twenties. Yeah, but then in her behavior and demeanor, I was, is this like rich stunted twenty-five? Yeah. Or yeah. is this, or Is she really le- legitimately younger? Yeah, because cause she is pouting, and she's saying life is but an empty bubble. 
Mm-hmm. Some people will be sorry someday. She, I wrote, she's quite dramatic. I wrote, I bet her favorite band is My Chemical Romance. <laughs> and her older sister Cornelia is making fun of her, as older sisters always do. It's funny, because the very first scene, I didn't like Cornelia, because she's coming into the dump. But as the movie progresses, I find myself thawing to Cornelia. You would. And I was just like, all right. I mean, I don't like the shade that she's throwing Godfrey, but kind of how she's dealing with her sister. I said, you know, Cornelia, she, ah, she ah, she is hard to live with, this Irene. But she she's coming from an educated place, whereas Irene, it's like she, it's like she was in that house with the 13 kids and she she knows nothing, nothing about life, nothing about anything. And she doesn't have to. She's pretty. It, she's pretty and she's rich. She she is that pretty to be that dumb. Yeah. So Godfrey says, does Irene want sandwiches? Oh, because Irene is supposed to be having some kind of a tea. Yeah, they're having a tea party. So he says to Mrs. Bullock, does Irene want sandwiches served in here or does she want a buffet? And Irene says to him, what is food? Yeah. Oh. So scene. it's the tea party now. There's loud music. People are playing cards. Irene follows Godfrey around saying, uh, no, thank you. He has a tray of sandwiches and he isn't offering them to her, but she keeps saying no, thank you to him anyway. Yes. And then a man named Mr. Gray comes in and he recognizes Godfrey mm-hmm. from Harvard. My man Godfrey went to Harvard? Yeah, that's what. Well, not everybody, because very few people are even uh, paying any attention to Godfrey or um, are able to process at this point because there's been a lot of alcohol served. These people, they're drunk all the time. Erin, I'm thinking they were smoking something, too. I'm telling you, there were chemicals galore. I'm sure they had some doctor on staff that was shooting them up with some sort of weird 1936 medicine. They probably were like... It was a vitamin treatment. Yeah, it was a vitamin treatment. Meanwhile, it was mercury. You know, 1936 and pharmaceuticals. That's the wild, wild west. Indeed. So, um, Mr. Gray saying, wait, you're the butler? I I thought you were, like, playing some gag on me. Yeah, and and, uh, so then he's talking under his breath. He's like, we'll talk about it later on my day off, which is tomorrow. So then um, uh, somebody, probably Cornelia, because she was on top of it, was saying, "Um, um, so what's the story here? So Mr. Gray's trying to make up a story about how he knew Godfrey. Wait, Godfrey? So Godfrey knows, okay, well, he just throws the ball back into Mr. Gray's court. It's like, she's like, hey, how do you two know? How do you know each other? Godfrey's like, oh, well, you know, it's it's kind of complicated, but not real complicated. Um, Mr. Gray could tell you all about it. And Mr. Gray's like, really, dude? 
just gonna so, oh i just have to make something up right now they do an excellent deflection but cornelia keeps bringing it back to the story then they deflect and she keeps bringing it back to the story cornelia has got laser focus she is not doing the vitamin treatment no she doesn't appear to be imbibing too much on the alcohol today. Nope, because someone's gotta someone's gotta keep an eye on the help. Well, it comes out that Godfrey has a wife and five children. But we know that well, actually at this point, do we think like did you believe it or did were you no, like, oh, he just made it up? It was just a story. Yeah. But that's what it came out to, and and, and Godfrey and Mr. Gray are like, wow, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, and then Irene hears it. So Irene, I mean, she was already despondent over being her love being what like uh, turned away, shunned. Now he hears that she has a wife and five kids and five kids. She she just doesn't know how to handle that. So she does what, what any mature reasonable woman in that situation would do she announces her engagement to a man a very schlubby man at the party reminds me very much of a scarlet o'hara move this was this was a very this was a scarlet o'hara move it was i mean the the dumpiest (laughs) i mean his name was charlie van rumpel yeah van rumpel and he, yeah, and he's like, wow, I didn't know that happened, but okay, I'll take it. Well, because when Charlie entered the party, he went up to Irene, and Irene was just like, get the hell away from me, Charlie. And he even, like, he committed to the joke where he he put, he put popped his collar and was like, damn, you're frigid, and walked away. <laughs> and then he's sitting at the punch bowl talking about, he's like, I could feel the temperature drop 15 degrees that woman is so damn cold and then this guy comes up and pats him on the back and was it's like congratulations charlie and he's like what says on your engagement to irene and he's like i got engaged to irene and then irene swoops in and takes charlie by the arm and is like isn't it great we're getting married and charlie is like yeah that's fantastic uh, he goes, uh, uh, yeah, my mind's a little cloudy on that, but okay. It's like, well, yeah, so when Cornelia, did I propose? And Cornelia, who always is sticking her nose in it, says, Godfrey, aren't you going to congratulate her? So Godfrey says, I congratulate you. I hope you'll be very happy. At which point, of course, Irene runs away. <laughs> Now she ran up to her room, she slammed the door, she dove belly first onto her bed and buried her head in the pillows and cried as her heels kicked up. So Godfrey and Mr. Gray uh, re, 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 meet? (laughs) (laughs) Reunite? Reconnect and make sure they're going to have lunch tomorrow. And Irene is crying on the steps. So it's the next morning. Uh, Godfrey brings toast to Mr. Bullock. And he's going, uh, Mr. Bullock, uh, you having business problems? And Mr. Bullock says, I sometimes It's 1936. Yes, I'm having business problems. (laughs) And I sometimes wonder if my whole family has gone crazy. Um, 
why don't you stay here? You Oh, and he says to Godfrey, why do you stay here? You could actually leave and get away from this. So um, Godfrey offered to help Mr. Bullock a little bit. With the, with the market. Like, yeah, you're, you're the butler. Get a couple of ways. So the lunch happens with Mr. Gray. Yes. And the but, lunch is like at a bar or club kind of place. It's fancy. It's, it's nice. Mm-hmm. It's a nice little club place. And Mr. Gray goes, I'm waiting to hear all the dirt. Yeah, because, I mean, Mr. Gray, he came across as gay to me. But he wants to hear the, all the low-down skinny. Yeah, why are you butlering when your family's telling everyone you're in South America doing something about rubber or sheep or something? And so, okay, at this point you say, aha, my man Godfrey comes from money. Comes from money. That's how he knew how to be a butler. That's how he knew. And Godfrey says, well, my family has to say something to save face. There was an incident in Boston with a woman. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, evidently, some nasty stuff happened. Instead of getting into it, he gave her everything and he just disappeared. So I'm going to read between the lines. I think that this woman broke his heart, probably cheated on him. They were married. He like divorced her, gave her everything. I have in my notes written down 10 puppets. I don't know what that's in reference to. And then he found himself. He went down to the river and he was going to drown himself in the river. So he went down yeah. to the dump. And then he sees these people, these these men there. And these are men who they're still fighting. They, they haven't given up. And so he kind of started talking to them. And he realized, and so he didn't drown himself. Because he, he was talking to these men who they were just, they didn't have anything. And they were still living life. And he, right. found, he found poetry in that. Right. Yeah, even though your life has gone to shit, there's still something to live for. You can still build something, and I'm not going to end it all. Right. Now, Cornelia, she must have followed him because she's there with the dopey college guy. And she tells the dopey college guy, here, I need you to go out to the lobby. I need you to make a phone call, and I need you to make a phone call to here and ask for Mr. Gray. So that that way they come, they say, Mr. Gray, you have a call. Please come with us. And then Cornelia can swoop in and be like, oh, well, Godfrey, this is what yeah. you do on your day off. Exactly. She's going to get to the bottom of this mystery. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't get very far. Godfrey is a firewall. And he says, Cornelius. You belong to that unfortunate animal that I call Park Avenue Brat. Yeah, because Cornelia was all bantering with him, saying, and he was like, can I tell you how I really feel about you? And she's like, yeah, you can tell me how you really feel about me. And then he just whittles her down to a nub. You're a spoiled child. You're misdirected energies are so childish even 
they don't even deserve a comment from the butler. Damn. Yeah. So she looks as, as, what's the word for it? As she should be. A shade and dand. Well, just like, well, that didn't, that escalated rather quickly. Yeah. And it didn't go at all the way I expected it to. How did he do that to me? How did he, yeah. How did he know how to put those words together to hurt me so much? Yeah, because he did. Scene. Next scene. Irene comes into the kitchen with flowers for Godfrey. But he's not back yet. And she asked the uh, the maid to put them in his room because she's not allowed to go in his room. And the maid is sewing on buttons for Godfrey. Oh, and and Irene is jealous because she wants to sew his buttons back on his clothes. And the maid's like, I know, but I get to. And guess what? He doesn't even lose that many buttons. <laughs> and... He's the meanest man I know. And then Molly starts crying, too. Yeah, they both. They both have the hots for Godfrey. They both have fallen in love with Godfrey. And then Godfrey walks in, and he's trashed. He is trashed. He's whistling some tune, got a smile on his face, just walks back toward his bedroom. He just can't be bothered. No. Yeah. Now, Godfrey has done nothing to encourage any of these women. Nope. And because he's done nothing to encourage them, all of them are following all over him. Okay, Carlos is reading and Irene is crying because that's what she does. Yeah. Okay, Godfrey is in a white tie and he's whistling. Cornelia comes down the back steps and she hides... And Godfrey is putting glasses on the table. At this point, I couldn't figure out, is this the next day or is this later? Because It seems like it might be dinner. Because Godfrey is still drunk. Yeah, he's still drunk. Godfrey is drunk. But he's at work and he's working and he is really enjoying himself. He's got to serve dinner. But Cornelia is yelling at him because he didn't take her gray silk dress to the cleaners. Why can't you do what you're told? And he, so then he goes to take the, I don't, I didn't understand any of this. What was going on here? I don't, it it was kind of a bunch of filler. He basically, Godfrey's drunk and um, he, I think he like, he's going around like serving people stuff and then he exits the room and you just hear a crash and then his head sticks out and he's like, ah, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. And then, or he said, or maybe he said something like, ah, I don't really feel well. I'm going to go to bed. Because then he goes to bed and then I, uh, Cornelia sees that she's, she like starts freaking out because I think after dinner saying that her pearl necklace has been stolen. And the father's like, what? And you, you know what's going on, people. So the father. Because, because before that. Uh, when when Godfrey was serving a dinner, Cornelia snuck into his room and put something under his mattress. Mm. Right. So the police get called. They show up. Of course they show up. She's rich. And they got to question everybody about this missing pearl necklace. So they go in the Godfrey's room. Godfrey's asleep, drunk. 
They make him get out of bed, and Cornelia's like, they're searching for it. They don't see it anywhere. Cornelia says, well, check under the mattress. And the detective's like, um, okay. So they, they, they rip everything apart, and there's nothing there. And they say, there's nothing there. And Cornelia's like, what? And the detective's like, what do you mean, what? Were you expecting there to be something there? Mm-hmm. And then the father the father catches on and is he apologizes to the police and the police leave. And the father's like, you know what, Cornelia? That pearl necklace, it wasn't even insured. And that's his, sh- his shade that he throws at his daughter. And so she's just looking at Godfrey and Godfrey's just drunk in his chair, just smiling at her. And she's just like, oh, Godfrey. And Irene sings a little ditty. You lost your pearls and I've still got mine. Yes. Well, the next scene, they're at the dump. And Mr. Gray is there. And and they have they have built a village for the forgotten men. I don't Uh, know they uh, haven't no because he was there and he was showing them and he he says hi to this guy and the guy was like oh hey man and he's like oh you know ask him how it's going and see they're they're like well we have to go save some people because the dump is filling up there's a whole bunch of trash and as the dump fills up you know their shacks get damaged so they're running out of real estate down at the dump to build their shacks so they got to go move the shacks and when he leaves, he says, Godfrey says to Mr. Gray, that man right there, that's Mr. I forget his name. We'll call him Bernstein or something. He was in charge of a bank. And when things went bad, instead of um, he took he took what money that he had, his nest egg, his retirement fund to pay everybody off in the company, not pay them off right. in a bad way, but like to. To give pay them back the money they'd put into the company. So right. he ended up being bankrupt, but the people who worked for him had something to leave with. Mm-hmm. He's like, see that? That's good people. That's the people right. down here at the dump. And he, he said, he was like, you know, the only difference between a derelict and a man is a job. Right. And he goes, I have a plan. He says, okay. So now we see the newspaper. We see a newspaper, and Irene is has uh, her newest broken engagement. So Irene and Cornelia went to Europe because Irene's engagement to Charlie Van Rumpel got broken off, but really she just needed to try to mend her broken heart over Godfrey. Um. And so then they re- they return, right? Right. And Cornelia says, Irene's upset because Godfrey didn't make a fuss over our return. And Irene says, Godfrey missed us. He's really in love with me, you know. And Cornelia says, Godfrey and I have unfinished business. Irene goes into the kitchen and um, and, and confronts Godfrey. Did you miss us? And Godfrey at this point says, you know what? I might have missed you a little bit more than I did Cornelia. Oh, that's all he needed to say. Yeah. That's as much of an opening as he's ever given Irene. Um, and, And Irene says, every place I went, everyone was Godfrey. 
And so Godfrey goes, tell me about your trip. While you've been away, I've been doing uh, things to make you proud of me, Godfrey yeah. says. I'm like, Godfrey, oh, I guess, I, at this point, I'm like, Godfrey, what are you talking about? Well, um, he says, I'm grateful to you, Irene, because you helped me. You helped me beat life. That doesn't mean we have to fall in love. Oh. You and I are friends. And Irene, it's about time I'm moving on. I really felt at this point that, that Godfrey was telling her, look, you've been in love with me all this time, and I'm grateful to you, and you've helped me a lot, but there's nothing between us. Mm-hmm. So Irene is, of course, crying. Is this when she has another spell? And, well, he says, I'm leaving pretty soon. Yeah. And... So they find out that his Indian woman, who was his make-believe wife, and the five children were a fabrication. Yeah, and how they even got to Indian. Because they were so drunk that the mother looked at him and was like, you have really high cheekbones. Are you part Indian? And Godfrey's like, what the hell are you talking about? This was like earlier. And then somehow from there, they got into that. Then they heard that he had the wife and five kids, which is a fabrication. And they all and the mother was like, because that's how genes work, was like, oh, that's where the Indian comes from. And so now they all think that he has an Indian wife and five kids. Right. Because that's how they are. They jump from one thing to the next. Okay, so um, Godfrey says uh, something about the mystery of Milady's necklace. Didn't it ever turn up? And uh, Cornelius says, you know, interestingly enough, I met a family named the Parks. What? Let's take a taxi ride. And Godfrey says, is that a command? And Cornelius says, Fi- 15 minutes. At this point, Irene faints in his arms, and she's like a sack of potatoes. Well, because he, Irene is so jealous now that because she thinks that Cornelia is going to seduce Godfrey. Right? Yep. And so she faints, and he throws her over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes and carries her to her room. And he says, if you're faking one of your spells right now, And he turns away to get her some water, and he sees her in the mirror rise up. And so he goes, okay, I'm going to fix you. So he dumps her in the shower and turns the water on. Yep. And then then Irene is so happy. God, Irene's like crazy. Because she she is so happy. She's soaking wet. She's like, oh, my God, Godfrey, I know that you love me. You love me because if you didn't love me, you wouldn't have gotten so angry at me just now and put me in the shower. Oh, my God, you love me. Bitch is crazy. And Godfrey goes, I do not love you. Yeah, no. But, uh, yeah. Godfrey, you don't know about this, but there's a movie that comes out in the 80s called Fatal Attraction. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, and we got some dead rabbits in your future. So uh, Mrs. Bullock sees all this and says, what's the meaning of this? And Godfrey says, I think I better resign. Yeah. And 
Um, well, Carlo is eating an apple and seeing at this point. And Mrs. Bullock says, I think it's time to send him back where he came from. <laughs> Mrs. Bullock is like done with him. No, isn't that Mr. Bullock? Doesn't at some point the father comes in and is like, all right, look, people, I have to talk to you about something. But first, he's like, Carlo, could you come here, please? And yeah. he walks Carlo out the back. And you, I think you just hear him like throw Carlo out. And it's like, yeah. good riddance. You hear him hit the bushes. Yeah. Blah, 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 and he comes he's back gone. in and he's like, all right, we took care of that. And look, family, we're broke. <laughs> we don't have any money. There's nothing, like, there's nothing left. This life that you people have gotten accustomed to, it is of no more. And then, which, then, now, Godfrey comes in, and he's holding an envelope, and he says, basically, um, sir, uh, I have one more thing to do before I leave. I would just like to present this to you. I've been dabbling in the market, and I did a short sale. So while your stock was tanking, I was buying it, and then I sold it back to you. I made a nice little profit. Um, so here you go. And he hands him the envelope with all the stock signed back. So they basically, they're not broke now because of Godfrey. Because and, of Godfrey. And Cornelia is like... Oh, wait, and she says how much they're paying him. I don't know what the amount was, but she was like, "How did you do that on that salary? Like I mean, that we're giving you three salary we're paying you." And Godfrey takes the pearls out of his pocket, and he's like, "I believe you know how I I came in possession of these." And you know, basically, because Cornelia is the one that put him under his bed, right? And I think, doesn't he make Cornelia say, like, oh, yeah, I put them under my, yeah. your bed to frame you? Yeah, he says, I turned the pearls into gold, which I turned into the stock market, which I turned back into gold, which I turned back into the pearls. But you have to say how they got there in the first place for yeah. this to go any further. So she has to admit in front of everyone that she tried to frame Godfrey, and Godfrey gives her back the pearls. So Godfrey says, this whole family has taught me a lot. Uh, Mrs. Mr. B, you taught me patience. Uh, Mrs. B, you taught me uh, amusing. Um, um, being, she, yeah, she amusing. was just amusement. She was a clown for him, the jester. Yeah. Cornelia, you taught me the fallacy of false pride and humility Use high spirits in more. Uh, I would like you to use your high spirits in a more constructive way. So that cuts Cornelia to the core. She's crying. And Molly, you told me to leave my hat by the door. Will you all say goodbye to Irene for me? Yeah. So Irene walks into the front room and says, what's the matter with everybody? And he's gone. He's gone back to the, the dump. dump. Oh, Irene does not take that well. She's like, what? Well, I'm going to the dump then. So we're at the dump, except it's not the dump. It says the dump it in neon. It says the dump in neon what? lights. And there's like, it's on and popping. It's a club. It is a club. They be clubbing. 
Like they, they be clubbing so much the mayor is there. Mm-hmm. So Irene shows up and she's like, um, where is Godfrey? And the guy's like, um, at the office that says office above it. So Irene goes, oh, but before that, I think we see Godfrey talking to Mr. Gray about how they're going to be able to shelter like 50 people. Exactly. They're going to be able to house and shelter 50 people for the winter. So Irene barges in and what what does she say? Well, she first says, what happened to the city dump? And they said, most of it's been filled in. And she says, well, what happened to the forgotten men? And they go, well, Mr. Godfrey Smith is in the office. So she goes into the office and she starts right away. Well, we're going to have to change this wallpaper. And uh, he says to Godfrey says to her, now, see here, why can't you leave me alone? And she goes, there's no sense struggling against it anymore. And she, uh, he says, I, I brought, oh, no, she brought food and wood down to the dump because she thought it was still the dump. And there's a knock on the door. Someone here wants to get married, I heard. Oh, well, be, right before that, she's like, because she's moving in and Godfrey makes the joke. He thinks he's being sarcastic and says, I'm surprised you didn't bring somebody here to just marry us. And then there's a knock on the door and this guy in tails says, um, somebody wanted me to marry them. And Godfrey's like, are you kidding me? And Irene says to him, just stand still. It'll be over in a minute. Yeah. And the guy's like, well, we need a witness. And the chauffeur walks out and (laughs) Irene's like, hey, you stand here. They stand there. Yeah, and Irene's like, just it'll be over in an instant. And they get married, and that's how the movie ends. The movie ends right there. The movie ends with my man Godfrey getting sold into a marriage that he doesn't want to be any part of. That's what I thought all along. But he had said something to Mr. Gray about, or Mr. Gray had said to him, you can't fight it or something. So it was like there was always this sexual tension. I never felt the sexual tension. I didn't either. Never. Come to find out, three years prior to making this film, William Powell and Carol Lombard had gotten divorced. Yeah. So they had been married and they had gotten divorced and they remained friendly. And William Powell insisted on Carol Lombard for being in this role. And the reason why he insisted on it was he said, well, this was pretty much how our relationship was. So pretty much she was in love with him and he just went along for the ride. (sighs) That's the way that that quote makes it sound. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, because at the beginning, the, the dump, this, the guy, when he, when Godfrey's Duke, there's another guy, they're talking about, the other guy's talking about his long con that he had going. So the whole time I'm thinking Godfrey is a con man. It turns out Godfrey was just a rich guy who had a bout of depression. And to solve his depression, he agreed to become a butler for this crazy ass family. Because he saw the kindness in her. He saw that she understood that it was humiliating to make a game out of human beings. But that's a big leap. Yeah, to then, you know, yeah, okay, she has that. But she's also crazy. Yeah. 
well, the whole family's crazy, and you're going to marry into... Eh, well, that sounds familiar. <laughs> you're going to marry into crazy? <laughs> ah, people do it. I it mean, was a fun I film. mean, look at Teeny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Teeny, you still want to come and be part of us, don't you? <laughs> yeah, she does. She doesn't listen to this, so it's fine. No, exactly. Which is Which is just as well. So, William, so are we at trivia or did you have anything We're at else? trivia because that's the end of the film. It just ended real abruptly. Yeah. It'll be over in a minute. Just marry me. I was like, oh, okay. That's my man Godfrey. So, William Powell, he was also in The Thin Man. He had been married to Carol Lombard. William Powell has a very interesting life. It's worth checking out the You Must Remember This podcast I don't know if he had his own or he was just always in the different ones. But he also had gone out with Jean Harlow right before she like before she got sick. And then when she died, he paid for everything and he made sure she had fresh fresh flowers. Oh, um, so that was in the dead blondes part of yeah. I remember this. He also William Powell, the next year in this film, 1937, he was diagnosed with cancer. And he beat it. This motherfucker beat cancer in the 30s. Wow. He lived to be 90 years old. I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine? He he they said he did yeah. all this this uh this crazy treatment and stuff. So who the hell like again, 1930s medicine. They were wow. just throwing everything at the wall, hoping it sticks. And he beat cancer. In the 30s. Um, and then tragically later, like 1968, his only son stabbed himself in the shower. <laughs> How do you accidentally do that? It wasn't an accident. Yuck. Yeah. So awkward. Um, wow. Carol Lombard. She was the highest paid actress of the late 1930s. Which means she got, what, one-eighth of what the men got at that time? <laughs> Probably. And she eventually married Clark Gable. Yep. And she was really big into doing what she could for the war effort. She maybe did a little too much. Died tragically. 1942. But what what film was he doing at that time? Because I read that she was worried that he might get involved with his co-star, and that's why she was on that plane. Oh, probably, because they didn't like to be apart at all. So, was he with Elizabeth Taylor in something? Well, let's see, I've been listening to you. Must remember this as well. So, something came up about that, and that's why she was on that plane you know, hearsay and all, because, yeah, she was worried about him getting involved with a co-star. Well, probably, I mean, it, it was Clark Gable, and you do have a fondness for Clark Gable. I heard he had really bad breath. Halitosis. Really bad, which could turn you off pretty quickly. Anyway, this film was nominated. Oh, maybe it was Lana Turner. Because he was in a movie in 1942 with Lana uh, Turner. Ah, yeah. Well, well you, yeah. I mean, you got to get home. You can't be leaving your man with Lana Turner. 
with her peep toe pumps, people. I can't can't be leaving. I got to get on this plane. I can't be leaving my man with peep toe pumps. Not peep toe pumps. Have you seen her in a sweater? Yeah. But but Clark Gable was devastated by her death. Devastated. He went off in the World War II and he was actually a really good pilot because he gave zero fucks. Who? Clark Gable. Did he really? He became a pilot? Yeah, he was like, he was in World War II and he gave, he had a death wish and he was just like, I give zero fucks. Yeah, because he finally got to marry the love of his life. And she was only the love of his life. I'm sorry, you know, romantics, blah, Hallmark movie, blah. Blah. Lifetime movies, she was, blah. She was the love of his life because she died before he could find somebody else. Yeah, she she truth. died at the height of like when they were in love with each other. That's right. And had when it worn off. Was at its highest. Yeah. And so, yeah, because Ashley in that, Ashley in Gone with the Wind died in World War II. The real life Ashley? Yeah. He was killed in World War II. I mean, they they put they a lot of everyone went to World War Two. So I was thinking, there's some actors they had to not have made it. Yeah. And if you didn't go, uh, you probably weren't looked upon very favorably by everyone who did. Oh, really? So that's why everyone still likes John Wayne. Probably. John Wayne didn't yeah. go to the war. Well. Uh, 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 <laughs> I, I just know that my father had a problem with anyone with long hair <laughs> because anyone with long hair didn't go to the war. And that meant that they weren't fighting for their country. Oh, man, it was an issue in the 70s, I just want to say. Oh, in the 70s. I was about yeah. to say, I was like, I do love Paul, but Paul does understand that hair grows. Yeah, no, in the 70s, it, it was like long hair meant... That you were against the draft, you know, Vietnam. So long hair meant you weren't serving your country. Uh, it, it got ugly. Well. <laughs> Which is why he really liked his new son-in-law, who could push his hair down and make it look really short when he went in that paw. Yeah, I mean, that is, that's why you were like, he can have long hair, but it's kinky. So it will still be long, but yet above his ears. Hmm. Yeah, but then <laughs> if you push it down, it looks really short. You don't you don't pick it out. You push it down. But, but he was in the military, so that was a good thing. Ah. Okay, so this film, my fourth time trying this, was nominated for writing and directing. It was the first film nominated in all four acting categories. Because this was the first year that uh, supporting actor and actress were uh, a category. And, and yet it won Zippola. And won nothing. It wasn't nominated for Best Picture. I believe it's the only film to have all four acting awards nominated, writing awards, and directing, and not get a Best Picture nomination. Yeah. It also didn't win any of these those awards. The only film that hasn't done that is 2017's American Hustle. True. And what else you got, guy guy? I got something interesting because today is 
women's marching. Women are marching. I have friends who went and marched today. I I, I wore my I nasty a, woman shirt today. I said I'd need a golf cart to get there. So here's a fun fact. Because when I was watching this, I said Cornelia has a rather strange accent. It sounded to me like Cornelia, English was her second language. So when I clicked on the actress who plays Cornelia, Gail Jackson, I was like shocked because Gail Jackson is American. Really? She, yeah, she was born in Alabama, so maybe, maybe English is her second language. Ha <laughs> 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 ha! I kid, I kid, Alabamians, I kid. That's funny. But yeah. here's something very interesting. So Gil Jackson is very interesting. Once she retired from acting, she became president of Paisano Productions and executive producer of Perry Mason. She what? was the she was one of the first women producers and she was the only executive producer who was a woman in prime time during Perry Mason's nine year run. I love it. She well, her character had the guts to do it. So mm. she Excellent. served two terms as vice president for the Motion Picture Academy of Television Arts and Sciences, wow. and she was president of the Hollywood chapter. She was the first and only female leader until 1983. Oh! Yep. Goosebumps. I know. I was like, damn! Perry Mason? Damn. Yep. So there you have it. There you have it. You can take your Carol Lombards and your William Powells. Yeah. But did you know about your Gail Jacksons? Gail Jackson, motherfucker. Gail Jackson, motherfucker. Well done, Gail Jackson, on this Women's March 2 day. <laughs> Women's March 2, the reckoning. Are th- yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. So my choice is next week, and I just went, uh, mind, let's go eeny, meeny, miny, mo. catch a movie by the toe. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 I forgot, guys, I forgot. I what? forgot. So, there were zero people of color in this film. Zero. Zero. Not even, no one yeah. at the Waldorf Astoria, no one at the club where Godfrey went to. No, no, not even bellhops. Not even bellhops. Not even hobos. Not even, even hobos. hobos. Not even hobos. This might have been the whitest movie we've ever screened. I think it, I think, you know what? We might ought to have a, um, a category of whitest movies yet. <laughs> the whitest movie. You know what? My Man Godfrey right now is my whitest movie ever. Whitest movie ever. Might be in contention for my pick for next week. Are you ready? Um, uh, yeah, I'm ready. I need a drum beat. <laughs> sounds like a fart. <laughs> yeah. Or your stomach. <laughs> Breakfast. Ah. 
at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's going to be breakfast at Tiffany's. You're going to like that the A-team's head guy, George Papard, is in it. What year is that? I don't know. I did no research yet. Audrey Hepburn. George Papard. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Breakfast at Tiffany's. Well, I mean, it's got to bring its A game if it wants to dethrone the whitest movie ever. We will find out. Um, we will find out. 1961. Breakfast 1961, there might actually be some people of color. Hmm. We will find out. Speaking of people in co- of color, I actually watched Get Out. Guess I'm not as woke as I thought it was. <laughs> I'm working on it, people. I'm working on it. It's a it's a process. It's a process. It's a process. I it mean, you're working great. on. You watch the rundown with Robin Thede. I do. I watch the Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Yeah. I, uh, I, I did. Okay. Well, I need to work through it, but it was a really good movie. Yeah. I'm not a horror film person. I don't think it's a horror. It film. was. It was more suspense. It's like the Twilight Zones. It was a suspense. Yeah, but yeah, but I did say to Poppy, "Wow." You coming in meeting my family was way better than that. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, you you know, you that didn't have a, a you didn't have a whole like criminal syndicate thing going. So that's like really good. I know. I felt really good about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if you enjoy Get Out, be sure to check out the latest season of Black Mirror's episode called Black Museum. Oh, really? <laughs> Watch Get Out. Then watch Black Museum. Okay, I'll watch that next. <laughs> oh, good times. Good times. <laughs> good times. Good times. Just keeping you in the know, our listeners of three. Yeah, three. We appreciate you. We love you. We love you. And we'll see you next week for Breakfast at Tiffany's, another white on white movie. Right. But you know what's right around the corner, people? February. And Gone with the Bushes is going to bring it. It's Black History Month, Ma. Black History <laughs> Month? We'll do Black History Month movies. Or something. Yeah. We, we will have people of color every month of every week of February. Yes. Yes, we will. All right. Look forward to that, listeners. You have to say your bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>